Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the office where none, absolutely none of the documents are classified. Although the state of my office could cause a panic with archivists looking for documents. Yes, it's the Newsbusters podcast. So CBS broke the news on Monday that Joe Biden's lawyers had come across roughly 10 classified documents that Joe Biden had at this Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C. Roughly 10? You couldn't just say 10? You couldn't just say 12? When you have a number that small, you should be able to be specific. Now, here we were told they, were, they found them. They were shocked on November 2 and promptly reported them to the National Archives folks on November 3. This is now touted by them as, oh, we're so responsible. When we found it, we immediately reported. Well, guess who else could have been told about it on November 3? Hmm. Yes, we were all kept in the dark because the election was coming. Well, they weren't going to do that. They knew what would happen. I mean, we had just been through this massive scandal in August. August 8th, the FBI raids Mar-a-Lago. That wasn't a raid. That was executing a search warrant. Well, it was still an unprecedented FBI invasion. You can't say invasion. Well, it was definitely unprecedented. And it definitely came across to people as something that's generally not done. It's the way that the federal government and the political establishment has always treated Trump as something uh, so dramatically awful that all precedents need to be violated. All right, so... This story doesn't look like something that CBS uncovered, you know, that they spent months covering. No, this looks like something CBS was given. Biden's lawyers say this. Biden's lawyers lay out a timeline and you just put it out there. Now, at this early stage, the most positive thing we could say and should say is that since Monday, the networks are taking this seriously. And in the stories, Republicans are being allowed to criticize Team Biden. Now, that sounds like a low bar, right? But in the last two years, it seemed pretty normal for Republican soundbites critical of Biden to just be skipped or nixed. Nada. Or they would quote Trump because, let's guess, they think he's the least credible critic of the Democrats they could possibly find. But, you know, now the Republicans are in charge of the House of Representatives. That changes everything. When the Democrats were in charge, they they really had this attitude of, well, we don't need to talk to the Republicans because they don't have any power. Uh, So this morning, on Wednesday morning, we come in. The networks covered this story in a fairly sober and balanced way. So the question for us then becomes... Do we publish something on this on Newsbusters? When the networks are fairly sober and balanced, do we say, great, that's how we should expect it to be. Next item. But, you know, I think on major breaking stories like this, this is a brand new scandal. It's probably important for us to tell our audience that it's surprisingly more straight and serious than normal. But, 
If you wanted to be picky, we could do it this way. When the feds raided Mar-a-Lago last August, the coverage was not sober. It was not balanced. And certainly in conservative media, there was great uproar at the unprecedented nature of this raid. By contrast, the tone of the current story is all about comparisons. There was no comparison in August. Now it's, how does this compare to Trump? The media is always going to grant Biden more of a pass. It's not just Joy Behar. Joy Behar is worse than the press, but has the same instincts. She just says it out loud. We don't think he's a liar or a thief like Trump, so we give him a pass. That does represent the normal media ethos. They would think Biden has 50 years in government. He's not reckless. He knows what national security is. He used to run the Foreign Relations Committee. As opposed to Trump, who is always considered the king of recklessness, the most irresponsible actor in American politics, and, of course, an ongoing threat to democracy, the national security, to public health, you name it. This was not a story they wanted, but they did take it seriously. Kevin Tober did report on Monday night on Anderson Cooper 360. The Republican CNN analyst Scott Jennings said the political usefulness of this cannot be underscored, cannot be overstated enough. He said with glee, that's the way Kevin wrote it, and he shouted out with glee. Biden has got a scandal. All right, so then he, um, Jennings added, everybody in politics is laughing their rear end off tonight that this happened to Joe Biden. Given how strident his commentary was in attacking Donald Trump about this in the first place. So yeah, it's a big deal politically. Now let's just underline, it was not just Joe Biden that was strident about this. I mean, it was the media, it was the Democrats. Uh, remember, the, uh, the January 6th committee, the Pelosi pick panel, had stopped having hearings in late July. I think it was July 21st. And now we're on August 8th. The, uh, the anti-Trump news was on a bit of a vacation. They needed a news hook. Now, I can't prove that the FBI or that Merrick Garland's Justice Department was preparing to raid Mar-a-Lago just to give the liberals networks a news hook, a, another scandalabra. But it's amazing to me, that, again, that you wouldn't come away with that saying, Joe Biden's Justice Department did something so partisan in appearance in a midterm election year. But, you know, what does our media do? The media always suggests the Republicans are ultra-conservatives and the Democrats are not ideological. The Republicans are hyper-partisan. Somehow the Democrats just care about the country. And so when you have that kind of ridiculous spin, they will try to maintain that Merrick Garland's Justice Department isn't democratic, isn't partisan, isn't liberal. And I think you can look at everything that they've done and say that's ridiculous. I mean, to some extent, the Justice Department, you know, should have been seen as a political part of every president's cabinet since, well, 
at least Robert F. Kennedy was attorney general. When when the president's brother is attorney general, you're going to say, oh, well, that doesn't mean he's going to do his brother's bidding. I mean, uh, attorney general in today's day and age is a political position. It should not be seen as a nonpartisan position. I think that's expecting just too much. And I, And obviously in the post-Watergate era, a significant part of our politics is scandals. A significant part of documenting and exposing media bias is showing you the double standards about the coverage of scandals. It is pretty much one of the easiest things. I mean, it's not easy, but it's it's the most prominent way of demonstrating how the media are biased. So the surprising thing Monday night was how much CNN was doing. And... You know, a certain Fox-hating, Democrat-loving, media-monitoring group actually counted minutes of the coverage early on and found that CNN had more than three times as much coverage of this as Fox. And Aaron Rupar on Twitter was positively whiny. Now, I learned the Fox haters had done this through NPR media reporter David Fulkenflick who I like to call the senior anti-Murdoch correspondent at NPR. David Folkenflick wrote a book called Murdoch's World. The major part of his job is reporting on Fox News and the Murdochs. On Wednesday's morning edition, anchor Leila Fadl brought on Folkenflick to assess the media coverage. But it wasn't all about the media. You could just tell. They were just processing mentally how the media would be forced to cover something they didn't like because their usual approach is we're just going to ignore it. Trying to focus on Biden's scandals is a distraction from the real issues. I mean, first, this is what Folkenflik said. Well, let's think about this for a moment. There really hasn't been a ton of scandals during the Biden presidency affecting Joe Biden himself beyond his troubled son, Hunter. So consider it a little bit of a media test case. Once again, let's underline this. They want to say there hasn't been a ton of scandals affecting Joe Biden. And that's because the Democrats aren't going to do anything investigating Joe Biden and the media are not going to want to do anything investigating Joe Biden. And they're going to pretend that the Hunter Biden scandals somehow aren't about Joe Biden. That's kind of the mind-boggling part. You know, the fact that uh, Congressman James Comer has to keep saying when we do an investigation into Hunter Biden's business dealings, this isn't about Hunter, it's about Joe. I don't why they can't get that, but they can't. Uh, it should be obvious. But once again, let's go back, Mr. Fulkenflick, to how did NPR cover the Hunter Biden laptop in the fall of 2020? If you'll recall, they didn't want to touch it. Kelly McBride, the public editor, it's a bad title. You know, she should be called Kelly McBride, the part-time bodyguard of NPR, uh, you know, went to uh, uh, another person in NPR who said, well, we're not covering this because it's a pure distraction. Yeah, when you have that mentality, you're going to say, well, there haven't been a ton of 
Biden scandals. Yeah, that's because you're absolutely allergic to them. Somehow you want to treat him as above reproach. It's the same thing these people did with Obama. We're at the end of the Obama years after all the Obama scandals from Benghazi, Ghazi. I mean, there's a big list. Fast and Furious, etc. People have forgotten them already, I suppose. But they came on at the end of the Obama presidency said, uh, at the end of the Obama presidency and said, uh, uh, Obama's been largely scandal free. No, no, he hasn't been largely scandal free. That's just what you want. That's your ideal. It's not true, but you'd like it to be the case. So Fulton Conflict's not really discussing how the networks are covering this other than to say, well, gee, a certain Democrat monitoring group says they've been doing some coverage. Then Layla Fadl asked the apples to apples question. I think there's been a tendency to want to compare the Trump classified document scandal and what Biden is facing now. But this isn't an apples to apples comparison, right? It's not apples to apples. I mean, let's be really clear. Trump's lawyer and his lawyers didn't disclose they had these things. They said things that weren't true uh, to the National Archives and to to lawyers for the government. They then fought returned documents. It turned out there were hundreds of documents bearing markings of uh, classified designations and that these were also, in some cases, documents with nuclear secrets, uh, not the case uh, uh, for, for in the Biden thing as far as we know. Now, Falcon Flick did acknowledge that when uh, Clinton aide Sandy Berger, the national security advisor, stuffed some classified documents in his pants, he was legally charged. So this is serious business. They all talked about prosecuting Trump. Let's recall MSNBC staff historian Michael Beschloss was comparing Trump to the Rosenbergs, to Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, who gave the secret of the nuclear bomb to the Russians. He suggested they were executed and implied the same should happen to Trump. So if we want to talk about somebody kind of getting a little over their skis, you can start there. Fulkin Flick said he wanted to state that this story did deserve coverage. This should be considered generous because we know NPR hates covering anything that will make their lefty audience unhappy. They certainly don't like the sound of Republicans gloating over anything. So now, let's have a little fun. Let's compare NPR's apples to apples. What did NPR do last August? Where was David Fulkenflick? Well, we reported on this last August. He came on after the Mar-a-Lago raid to assess right-wing media outrage. Because apparently... The left-wing media doesn't care when you raid Trump's house. Suddenly, the FBI's utterly non-controversial. The title on NPR.org was, Republicans loyal to Trump express outrage over the FBI's search of his home. Yeah, where is the ACLU? Where did that go? I mean, obviously, where were the people that we used to call civil libertarians? 
The idea that only MAGA cared about this, I mean, that's just a little, uh, well, it's not just incorrect. It's basically, again, trying to suggest, well, Trump deserves everything he gets. So Full Conflict comes on and he, he explains, well, you, you saw sort of the litany of Fox stars and figures presenting this in extremely dire, at times, apocalyptic terms. And then he played a clip where Waters, Jesse Waters said he was disgusted. He said, they've declared war on us and now it's game on. Full Conflict added, Waters also said this clearly comes from the top making an allusion to President Biden. Although Biden, of course, has said that he has learned about this from the press, and there's no reporting to show otherwise. All right, let's, let's underline that for you. Let's read that sentence again. Biden, of course, has said he learned about this from the press, and there's no reporting to show otherwise. This is exactly the game they played with Obama. Obama would say, I didn't know anything. I learned it from the press. And then to try to say there's no reporting. Well, yeah, isn't that clever? When the liberal media doesn't do any reporting, then you say, well, there's no reporting. None of us have any suspicions or any skepticism that maybe in an election year, the Democrats, the Biden team, decides to raid Trump to make it more difficult for the Republicans to win in November. In a year in which everyone expected the Republicans to have a massive red wave, maybe they would have been just a little bit panicky and said, we need to throw the Hail Mary pass. We need to do something unprecedented. We need to do something outrageous. Let's drop a bomb. And yes, obviously, there were people in MAGA world or at Fox News who responded to this with words like Gestapo, right? Who said it's a war on all of us. You know, you could say, well, gosh, that's a little over the top. Well, partisans on both sides can say things that are over the top. But of course, this is NPR, so they're only going to pluck out these and say somebody's losing their mind. Then when anchor A. Martinez asked why the Fox people wouldn't factor in that, hey, the FBI had to tick a bunch of legal boxes before they went on this raid. I mean, they they didn't rush in there. They had to do a whole bunch of serious things and talk to judges and stuff. Somehow that takes the outrage out of it. Full Conflict then said, well, if you're looking at Fox News, which is the most important player in all of this, you know, they will acknowledge this, particularly in their news as opposed to opinion shows. But facts are often sloughed off as inconvenient if they're acknowledged at all. Yes, this underlines how David Folgenflick cannot be trusted to report on Fox News in a way that doesn't come across as, I hate these guys, I really seriously hate these guys, and I know my audience really hates these guys, They hate the idea that the conservative media exists. So we're going to say, at Fox, facts are often sloughed off as inconvenient if they're acknowledged at all. Hey, David, you're coming from the network that said the Hunter Biden story was a pure distraction. Guess what? When it came to Hunter, the facts were sloughed off as inconvenient and weren't acknowledged at all. Who are you? To somehow get up on your high horse and say Fox News is so, so much worse than we in the liberal media. 
On top of this mudslinging on hundreds of public radio stations from coast to coast, Fulkenflick then tweeted this. The backlash is a political phenomenon that can't be ignored as a part of politics. It also says a lot about where the Republican Party and right-wing media are now, colon, blindly tethered to Trump once more. Blindly tethered. Now let's turn the tables. We're going to say national public radio has never, ever been blindly tethered to Democrats. Did you guys hear the live NPR coverage of the January 6th committee? Talk about being blindly tethered. All of these people were blindly tethered to Democrats. NPR has had a series of Democrats running NPR. They've been the boss of NPR going back to McGovern campaign manager Frank Mankiewicz. There's a whole history of Democrat operatives running NPR. Not to mention Democratic operatives posing as reporters at NPR. Hello, Nina Totenberg. It's just amazing, though, how credulous all of these liberal journalists are in assuming that Attorney General Merrick Garland told no one in the White House he was going to approve a raid on Trump's house. David Folkenflik would never, ever assume Rupert Murdoch didn't know what was going on at one of his companies. He wouldn't accept that at face value. They're always willing with Democrats to accept whatever they said at face value. So yes, after they raided Mar-a-Lago, Biden's like, well, nobody told me in advance they were going to do this. I haven't asked any questions because I don't want to get in the Justice Department way and when they decide to prosecute Trump. Now, are we going to all be such babes in the woods that we're going to just buy that there was no conversation between Biden and the Justice Department about they were going to do this? You simply wouldn't accept if Trump's Justice Department raided a Biden house. There's no way they would say, well, Trump said, I didn't discuss this with anyone. Would anybody take that for a second? I mean, if you don't like Trump, think of some other president who would have done this. Maybe you can't because you can't see a President Bush, Bush one or Bush two, saying, hey, let's get the Justice Department and we're going to go raid our opponents. They just can't acknowledge what a desperate step that was. Then there's this whole notion when when Fulkenflix complains that Fox used apocalyptic terms. You know, look, let's go back. I pointed this out at the time. NPR promoted author Ann Applebaum of the Washington Post calling Republicans a proto-authoritarian cult. Does that sound just a little over the top? Would that describe, for example, the staff at Newsbusters, a proto-authoritarian cult? We would say no. This was on their show, Fresh Air, with Terry Gross. I mean, they get like 38-minute interviews to talk about their books, where they hate on the Republicans. They also gave a big interview to Washington Post columnist Dana Milbank, who had a book on the Republicans called 
the destructionists. Oh, but you know, we don't do that apocalyptic talk on NPR, do we? Please. Milbank was just seen in the Washington Post on Sunday suggesting that the people opposing Kevin McCarthy for speaker were terrorists. It wasn't just Dan Crenshaw. It was a whole bunch of liberals. Uh, Kurt Bardella on MSNBC, who was comparing the Kevin McCarthy opponents to the 9-11 architects, all right? So when we talk about apocalyptic terms, it's, it's bipartisan. It happens in both camps, all right? We do capture a lot of that liberal apocalyptic talk here. And, you know, we should watch it on the conservative side. We should be careful. You know, I, there's nothing like being a little strong about it. But, yes, we should all not compare our opponents to the Nazis. Unless somebody's actually a neo-Nazi, maybe. Now, let's wrap up. I'm going to be nerdy for a minute and talk about how the newspapers, our major national newspapers, greeted this uh, Biden classified document story. And usually we would do this because the newspaper coverage ends up affecting how seriously television news takes this. It's a little different here because TV had the story first, and TV will decide whether it has legs on it. But, you know, I thought it was interesting. The papers come in here every morning, uh, uh, and we uh, we pull them out and we look at the front pages in particular. On the front page of the New York Times, we're going to look, well, where's the story in Biden's classified documents? I mean, it broke at late afternoon. Now, no, none of us should believe that, they, you know, they, their deadline is going to be about 8 p.m., you know, and so it, it should be in there. Uh, New York Times on Tuesday, page A12. There was not even a blurb on page one to tell you what was inside. No, the front page was saved for stories like Child's Access to Gun Shocks Virginia School. Also, this front pager, Relentless Grief for Buffalo's Black Community. And my unfavorite, quote, A royal tell-all is everywhere. Has the public heard enough? That's on Prince Harry's memoir. Does that deserve to be on the front page and not Biden? We can keep asking that question because on Wednesday, the New York Times put the Biden classified document story on A15. (laughs) Yes, they had a front page plug headline, Biden surprised by files. You know, they don't they don't care if we all laugh and say, yeah, Biden's surprised by a lot of news. Uh, inside, they call it a political headache. Oh, poor Biden has a political headache. Is it just a headache? Then, of course, there's USA Today. They call it McPaper for a reason. Where was the story on Tuesday on Biden's classified documents? Sorry, it broke at like 4 or 4.30 in the afternoon. No story in the Tuesday paper. Feels like their deadline for the next day is after I had a late lunch. Instead, they had front page stories on the fentanyl epidemic, on Brazil, 
uh, on potentially catastrophic flooding in California and on how Biden's immigration agenda is tied up in court. Well, at least we can say this. USA Today on Wednesday had it on the front page. Top right headline, classified docs find has echoes of Trump. Subhead, but Democrats are quick to point out differences with Biden discovery. Now, it does have echoes of Trump. See, that that would be considered a controversial thing to say to a Democrat. That's a but, but, but. It has echoes of Trump, except, yes, nobody was going to raid the Penn-Biden Center. They wouldn't do that. Why would they do that? Uh, in the story on the front page, they did quote Trump basically saying, hey, where was the raid on Biden? So again, there was... The, you know, the Republican point of view was there on the front page of USA Today. So a little star in your forehead. Tuesday, where was the Washington Post on Biden's classified documents? Page A9. All right. So on day one of this, USA Today, nothing. Washington Post, A9. New York Times, A15. At least the Post had a blurb at the bottom of the, of the you know, on the front page about what's inside. Page one of the Post the pitbull anti-Trump prosecutor of Fulton County, Georgia. That was, that was supposed to be positive, not like the prosecutor who mauls six-year-old girls to death. No, it's Fannie Willis is going after Trump and she's our hero. The top of the post was two stories on Brazil because, you know, you got to love the January 6th of Brazil. And then this story, quote, with gavel, McCarthy faces GOP infighting, unquote, because they love Republican infighting. They want to put that on page one. On Wednesday's Washington Post, it was, again, on the front page, top right, little bit of credit, headlines, Biden calls files a surprise. President says he is cooperating. And then classified documents spur bipartisan inquiries. Oh, isn't that nice? Now, the late-night comedians, Alex Christie looks at that. He, they all mentioned the document scandal on Tuesday's late-night shows. And yeah, yeah, it bleeds into Wednesday, but Brent Baker always says, they all tape on Tuesday. Don't call it Wednesday's show, even if it airs at 12.30 a.m. on Wednesday. We have to call it Tuesday. <laughs> Just the in-house rule. But uh, what was most notable to us is there was just this tiny mention on Seth Meyers. You know, Seth Meyers could have done and now a closer look for 12 minutes. No, no, no. He gave it like 15 seconds and it was just a joke about how it was so exciting Tucker Carlson did his show in Joker face and they had a, you know, a, a fake picture of Tucker Carlson with Joker paint. A her, a her, a her. That's the best that Seth Meyers could do. Now, the, uh, uh, we were mildly uh, impressed uh, that instead of talking about apples to apples, Jim, Jimmy Kimmel said, these are not the same. It's apples to orange man. Yeah, it's not bad. Jimmy Kimmel's bad, but the joke is okay. Extra credit to James Corden, who's on after Colbert. No credit to Colbert. He just sort of made jokes about how, you know, Biden's classified documents were probably about the War of 1812. <laughs> uh, yeah, James Corden 
actually aired footage of Biden expressing outrage on Trump on 60 Minutes from last September. And you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. And you don't know. Now, this passage where Biden denounces Trump as totally irresponsible for doing what Biden has now done. This is a passage that when we did this back last year, Kevin Tober didn't even include this exchange in our post because, well, first, we weren't going to suggest that classified documents is some sort of chucklehead issue. I mean, we knew this question was a softball, but I think we could agree with the answer. How could this happen? And could it compromise sources and methods? That's a serious answer. I don't I don't know if you could call the question serious. This is Pelly's whole approach to this interview was basically to ask him what say you questions. This is what Democrats get this sort of question. You know, oh, President Biden, you've you're solving the rail strike. What say you? And then he this one. When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor, what did you think? Well, the first thing I thought is they laid out documents on the floor and took pictures, which meant it was political and partisan. You know, but the the conclusion to all of this is this document scandal comparison is the New Year's Exhibit A in media bias. Comparing scandals to scandals. They are never exactly alike. But these are alike enough. They both are about classified documents. And were they, were they in an unsecured location? They all thought this wasn't an issue, remember, in 2016? When Hillary Clinton was sending around unclassified do- or classified documents on a private server? They want to suggest that was a phony issue. And then with Trump, it was the most serious issue of all time. And now with Biden again, mm, after everything they did with Trump, they have to kind of acknowledge this is a this is something. But they are all energetically saying, well, this isn't exactly apples to apples. No, but the point of the matter is, yeah, this really does ruin any idea that Biden's Justice Department is going to come out of raiding Mar-a-Lago and say, well, now we're going to prosecute Trump for having classified documents. That's going to look, if he, if he, you know, Joe Scarborough on Wednesday was like, well, if, if Biden's guilty, charge him. If Trump's guilty, charge him. And then, of course, he turns around and says, Trump's guilty, Biden's not. This is the way justice would be meted out by MSNBC. But this is, this is going to be something we're going to look at. And I think that one of the reasons why this was leaked when it was was because, again, they are trying to get out ahead of House Republican investigations. So they wanted this story to come out the way they wanted it with their spin before it, you know, somebody leaked it to James Comer or the Washington Times or Fox News. They wanted to control the narrative. 
And with CBS, you think, well, I, maybe I'll be able to control the narrative a little bit. You know, and when they're trying to control the narrative, the news media doesn't portray them as trying to control the narrative. They merely echo everything Biden says, and they don't really take any of it with a grain of salt or with any skepticism. So that's the interesting thing. What we're going to be investigating here in the months to come is how do they cover the Biden scandals? And are they going to acknowledge there's more than one? If you want to know the answer to that, that's why you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.